Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. Um, I'm really looking forward to this um, session, uh, this podcast, this episode epistle whatever it might be because we have with us a divorce expert i mean can you imagine Aha! everybody i mean how many people in the world haven't had a divorce yet i mean you know people like nancy smith my next guest um are, are absolutely troughing in the cash based on the amount of um <laughs> divorces going on in the world um and good luck to them as well and um I can't wait to talk to her. And first of all, hello, Nancy. Hello, Russell. Nice to see you. Thank you for having me. Where in the world are you today? I am in Vermont, small state, uh, northern, northeast of the United States. Great. And and just uh, just tell us a little bit about what it is that you currently do. Well, currently, I am a divorce lawyer. I've been a divorce lawyer for 30 years. And... I've written a book about collaborative divorce, which is a different mindset and a different model for how to get divorced in a way that will allow a couple to emerge healthy and wholehearted instead of bitter and resentful. And that's kind of where I spend my time and focused on trying to change the paradigm for how people divorce away from a shame and blame adversarial process Mm. uh, to one that's more consistent with people's core values like integrity and mutual respect transparency, compassion, empathy. But you're talking, you're talking, that's interesting that you say that, but you're talking about very, a very grown up trope there, aren't you? This idea that people bring their best selves to the divorce process. And uh, uh, I used to work in the legal world and we had divorce practice and that was very rarely the case. In fact, the people who had the most collaborative divorces often were the people who didn't really need to be divorced or the people who got back together again. So, I mean, in your vast experience, you know, is, has it mostly been acrimonious and uh, tearing up the you know tree trunks around them, hitting each other, and horrible? Or you know, what's what's the balance? Would you say? Well, I think that people long for something different, and then when they come to the divorce lawyers, we're trained in an adversarial system, and so our training kind of inspires us to just get the basics, to hear the story. You, the clients come to us very wounded and upset and scared and frightened and maybe feeling betrayed, and they have all these intense emotions going on, and the lawyers are not trained to handle the emotions. We'll say, go get a therapist, and I'll deal with your legal stuff. And then we go off to the courthouse, and then there's no chance for healing, and there's no chance for personal growth, which I think 
is the is the gift of an actual divorce is this opportunity to transform and grow through it, which is why I love the work that you do on systems change and like trying to apply those kind of larger concepts, the macro concepts down to your individual self at the time when you're going through a divorce, which of course is an incredibly challenging time of life. Yet it is the opportunity to exactly like you say, grow up and take responsibility for yourself and how you want your future to emerge. It's always struck me, um, and I've written around this subject a little bit, but it's always struck me that um, it's incredibly easy to get married and very difficult to get unmarried, as it were. Um, and it's interesting you say that about the adversarial system. And um, it's often, and I know the, our, in our country, we tried this idea of mediation as part of the process. I just don't know, is that something you've been experimenting with over there? Yeah, so mediation um, is basically like collaborative divorces. Now, mediation 30 years ago, people would say, mediation, medication, meditation, what are you talking about? Like they didn't know what mediation was. And mediation is essentially an out of court dispute resolution process where you have one neutral person listening to both sides and trying to come to some kind of compromise that people can live with. And that's a very, um, it's a a robust opportunity for people who can, uh, who are on equal bargaining footing to start with, who both understand the financial reality, they understand the psychological reality, they're both ready to get divorced. Mediation is a great option. Collaborative divorce is like mediation on steroids because it offers the couple more support than you would have in the traditional mediation because you have two lawyers that are trained in collaborative practice, you have a mental health coach and you have a financial neutral. So it's an interdisciplinary team And it just provides a safe container to have these very difficult conversations at a time when people are feeling their worst and we are expecting them to show up and be their best. Yes. Mm, Interesting. It's, it's, yeah, it it strikes me that there are, you know, I was exaggerating for a comic effect earlier. It wasn't very comic, uh, but there was an effect. And I was just thinking about the fact that there are a lot of people who actually have, a peculiar idea that a marriage is somehow um, this this thing that just happens to a person. You were saying this a little bit earlier, actually, that you know you sort of you fall into this thing. And it's going to be wonderful, laugh at us forever, and and then we don't understand the the parties. That there's a, a person that's uh, often male, a, a person that's often female. There's the relationship itself, which is a, a third party in the relationship. And there are often children. Everyone has different roles and those roles change over time. And it's always been my contention that actually no marriage really should last more than 10 years without some sort of re- reprogramming or uh, re-engineering. Because actually we we get so comfortable familiar and in and a sort of fur-lined rut don't we together with people it just becomes so easy to stay together it needs someone to have a, uh, an affair or someone to have a life-changing accident or something you know or the kids leave home and you suddenly have empty nesters or or whatever it might be a change of gender or god knows what else these days but but, but it's it's that idea that we should actually see a bit like when we you know start working we should be thinking about when we leave it's always the same with the marriage you know when we get married, we should be thinking, how do we ensure we want to stay together? And for me, we get married far too easily. And you'll see the most peculiar people. I mean, I, my own marriage, my first marriage, I should say, they, they were running, there was a, a gambling boot running on how long my marriage would last. I mean, <laughs> I mean other before. people I've seem to be able to spot it, don't they? 
Yeah, we've I've, we've done that before, and that's ironic because usually people are wrong when they um, gamble yeah, on somebody well. else's marriage. Um, I used to think that mine was going to last forever, and I really bought into it. My parents have been married for sixty years. Um, my my ex spouse's family had been married forever, and I thought it just seems like this comfortable institution that that would meet all of my needs. And then as I grew up, you know, what you want when you're twenty or thirty yeah. is not necessarily what you want when you're forty or fifty or sixty, and and I loved your idea about, you know, every 10 years renegotiating the terms and making sure that you're that you're truly feeling satisfied and fulfilled. And it's we were discussing earlier um, the work of Esther Perel, and she has a couple of great books. Out. One is Mating in Captivity and the other is uh, A State of Affairs. And she just kind of goes through the entire history, the arc of um, the institution of marriage and why people um, step out of the marriage for different reasons. And for me, even as a divorce lawyer, when people come to me, it's usually because the communication is broken down. People are not being honest. They're not feeling secure enough to say what they mean and mean what they say. And the failure in the communication leads to a lack of accountability that leads to just people getting into their entrenched into their positions of misery. And they want to blame and point fingers. And they're just not feeling satisfied, but they don't have the words or the emotional sort of um, training to engage in difficult conversations about important things like, am I happy? Am I satisfied? You know, do I, you know, is the sex okay? Is it not okay? Like we don't talk about stuff like that. And then, you know, am I feeling constricted about the money? Am I feeling that I'm not feeling fulfilled in my, in my work? Am I getting what I need from my spouse? And if you don't have the capacity for that and you don't take the time to dig deep and have those difficult conversations during your marriage, you're going to likely end up at the divorce lawyer's um, office. And then, you know, from my point of view, you can have a couple of choices about how you get divorced. You do it yourself, you go to mediation, you do a collaborative process, or you go to court and have a public yeah. display of all of your, you know, trauma. Washing. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, I, I was just listening to you talking there and thinking the 10-year the idea is quite interesting, isn't it? Because um, you think about this idea of how we change decade by decade and the financial constraints and the physical things and such like. And you often meet people who have been happily married for many, many years. And they're either extraordinarily similar, very, very, um, almost like clones of each other in a lovely way. You know, they can finish your th finish your other sentences. They're clearly very happy to talk about everything. Or the opposites thing where people are drawn to each other by some sort of, you know, flame between them and it sort of keeps them circulating, circling, circling each other. Um, and I just wonder whether, um, I wonder whether people rarely learn these skills that you're talking about, unless they're actually getting some of this development in a work setting. Because actually, this this is something we learn at work, isn't it? As part of being in a team, um, progressing to be a manager and a leader and such like, you're learning these sort of conflict management skills. And and I just wonder whether if you're not working or you're working in a different sort of world, or you know whether whether you know which what chance do you have to learn these skills? I think it has to be driven, um, internally driven. People are motivated to grow, and the people who are attracted to collaborative divorce, I found, are the people who have at least the idea in their head that they don't want this to be a nightmare for everybody. They want to be able to be reasonably amicable and civil, and they don't want to lose all of their relationships with their partner and their in-laws. And they want to maybe have a plan about what's going to happen with holidays because there's so much grief 
involved and loss involved with divorce. And so if you can look at it through the lens of grief, you might be able to have an opportunity, at least in a collaborative model, even if you've never thought of these things before, to at least be introduced to the idea that this is an opportunity for you to ask yourself truly, like, what do I want? Yeah. What do I need? What do I truly want? It's not that I want custody or I want X amount of alimony. It's I want to I want to feel heard. I want to be able to love again. I want to be able to travel. I want to have a good relationship with my children. I, I want my ex not to hate me. I want to be able to go for a holiday somewhere, you know, with my, with my family. I don't want to lose the whole concept of our family. We just have to reposition it, um, reconfigure it and take feedback. You know, a lot of people are very uncomfortable receiving feedback. And if it's, if your orientation is to constantly be outward and pointing fingers at your spouse for ruining your life, then it's going to be a long slog, you know, it's going to be a slog uh, yeah. through this divorce process. But if you can take the opportunity that's being given to you, this is a major life transition, treat it like a death in the family, except nobody's bringing you food and just slow down and, and uh, uh, don't allow the lawyers to kind of bully you through an adversarial process. Um, use this as an opportunity for personal growth and transformational change, like you would do uh, and how you would approach uh, a business uh, transformation. It is interesting, isn't it? It's, um, I'm listening to you talk, talk again. It's fascinating because um, it's fascinating in every area of law, family and civil law, particularly, actually the lawyers are the problem. It, it almost begs the question why we don't actually have one lawyer representing the whole family. And, I tried that once, and um, mm. it was me and one lawyer, uh, one judge in Vermont, who were doing an experiment called mutual divorce, and it was one lawyer helping two a couple who wanted to get divorced amicably, and the bar association was up in arms about yeah. it. They they shut it down. They're like, you can't do that. There's a conflict of interest. It's inherently adversarial. Blah blah, and so it really went nowhere. Um, and then that's when collaborative divorce came in. So it's two lawyers. So you each each couple has at least a lawyer, but you know that the lawyers are not going to make it worse. The lawyers have an orientation towards settlement that they understand that you're not even going to be asked to make major decisions about your children and your future financial security until you are psychologically ready to be divorced. And it's very common that one person in the couple is really ready to be divorced. They want to be divorced yesterday because yeah. they've been probably thinking about it for like a year exactly. before, right? Before they had the courage to actually use their words and say, I'm really unhappy and I think I need a divorce. Yeah. And then the other spouse is like, what? This is coming out of left field. I am not prepared for this. And my our theory is that with enough support, the the shocked spouse can come back and and come back stronger if you give them some time to do that. Like you got to grieve the losses and you cannot force a divorce down somebody's throat if they're not psychologically ready. This yeah. is why I think it lasts two years and you have these public displays and they go on forever and you cost millions of dollars. And people's lives are ruined and everybody has like a bitter divorce story is because there wasn't somebody wasn't ready to let go. And if you don't give your spouse, the person that you loved and that you swore in front of God and all your friends that you loved and you cherish and honor for the rest of your life. If you don't give that person enough time to realize that this is actually good, like this is a good thing. This is not a disaster. This is actually an opportunity for me to really be my best self, move into this next stage of my life, confident, secure feeling good, feeling like I can, I can handle this, whatever it is. Mm. Um, we want to give you the skills to do that so that you can set the example for your children about how to handle adversity and to build your resilience and your capacity for resilience in the face of adversity. And then if you can do that, your children can see like, even 
what theoretically could be like the worst thing of you know their lives is actually a blessing. And if you can do that, then I think you're contributing something good to the world. So, yes. And of course, actually, in psychology, there's a ton of evidence that shows that parents separating is worse for children, which is a which is an old paradigm, which is often repeated. And I've never seen any evidence that's modern actually talking about that. Um, well, one of the things that was going through my mind is that you talked a lot about this idea of grief. And and if you think about the Cooper-Ross uh, model, which shock, anger, denial and such like bargaining, it lends itself to that. But the point about grief is the grief for the relationship, isn't it? It's not grief for each other. Um, and the other thing that strikes me is that a lot of the adversarial nature of divorces is, to be, is built on this concept of the neuroscience of fairness. And often it's not fair that one person is massively financially penalized at the behest of another. And and it doesn't matter who you talk to, there are stories of that happening to women, that happening to men as well, doesn't every every gender thinks it's just what happens to them, but it seems to be quite evenly spread. But I just wonder whether the lack of fairness in the process is part of the problem and a little bit more about the grief thing. So what are we grieving for? Oh my gosh, there are so many losses associated with divorce. So you lose your best friend, you lose your lover, you lose your status as a spouse, which society confers upon people. You lose, somebody's going to move out. So somebody's going to be losing their home. Somebody, you're going to be share, losing time with your children. You're going to be losing the relationships theoretically with your uh, extended family and in-laws that have been like your surrogate parents for however many years. And then you lose, um, you know, half of your family wealth, whatever it is that you're doing, half of your income. But the, the thing like that you alluded to, which I think is exactly it, you are losing, the thing that I think that really gets people right in the heart is that you're losing the dream of what you thought you were creating. And the loss of the dream is one of the hardest losses, I think, for people to get over because the shock and the denial is so strong at the beginning, like this cannot be happening. Like, is this happening? This cannot be happening. And then eventually, and then you're so mad and you're so struck by the unfairness of this happening to me instead of being a co-creator in the dynamic that led to this um, and being a co-creator in the resolution that's going to work for both of you and your entire family, people get very stuck in their angry, I'm being betrayed, this is harming me, you're the fault, you're the fault, um, instead of just accepting some responsibility for your role. Uh, and, and that's that takes time. Yeah, that, and I think that's the, often the thing is the the shock to the surprise partner very rarely sees it as their fault, but they don't take the, the accountability for their being part of it. How about how about this? And we make it much harder for people to get married, and we say that any marriage only lasts ten years. That it's automatically annulled after ten years unless you fight to keep it going, which means that you have to, which which is actually part of your collaborative divorce process, isn't it? Because you would have to have your process working to annul the whole thing. Well, maybe, or you you do a prenup that says if you're going to get divorced, you use a collaborative model. <laughs> well, yeah, but it might not be there by then. You might have given up and gone off to do something else. No, <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. So it's hard to say. You know, it's all on a continuum these days. Relationships are so complex. The human yeah. spirit is so complex. We're we're all evolving at different you know speeds and at different stages of our adult development. And sometimes. Sometimes you just need to let go. And um, I love the idea of just renegotiating and um, and assessing, like taking a deep dive. They, there's a great um, practice. I've never done it, but I've heard about it and I've spoken to, to um, counselors who practice it. It's called uh, discernment counseling. And it's a deep dive, in, intensive 
experience for a couple to really get to um, their ambivalence about the relationship, because there's always that amb ambiguity about it. It's like, do I stay? Do I go? Is there something better? You know, is the relationship worth working on? And having somebody very skillful do that deep dive before you go to your <laughs> divorce lawyers would be a great service. Um, and doing the work, I think that's really the key for the for your audience is to to do the psychological, emotional work before you um check in with the divorce lawyer. And if you're going to check in with the divorce lawyer, check in with a collaboratively trained one, because that will lessen the likelihood that you'll ever end up in court. So so where where do um, uh, lawyers become collaboratively trained? Is this your process or have you been trained in this particular technique? So there's um, the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals uh, is the umbrella organization through which most of us uh, do our training. And it's a great group. It's like I said, it's international. So there's lawyers in, in England, Israel, Italy, um, Australia, uh, Canada, US. And we all kind of get together and we, and we do, usually it's a two day training um, is the minimum required. And it's just shifting the paradigm. And I think the hardest thing is for the lawyers to shift their paradigm. The mental health people are already right there. They're ready. They want to help. As soon as I talked about it to some of my local mental health professionals, they're like, yes, sign me up. That would be great. I'd love to be a part of it. Um, the financial neutrals are also fabulous because they collect and analyze all the financial data. They love doing it. The lawyers are not that great at it usually, um, but we charge a lot of time and money for us to go through it and we'll figure it out. But if you had somebody who's actually like passionate about like financial spreadsheets and, and collecting data and analyzing it. That's awesome. And they're also trained and skillful in mediation, um, conflict management. And then everybody, once everybody gets to the same place of psychological readiness and understanding the financial reality, then you're ready for the lawyers to step in and say, let's facilitate this conversation. And then let's talk about generating options that are going to work for everybody. And that's how we get trained. And, and it's like a psychological readiness. And then we come together and we generate options um, that are going to work for everybody. So nobody's ever going to have the experience, which I think is common in a mediation and a, certainly in a regular litigious divorce, where somebody's going to come in really low and lowball you and just insult you <laughs> with the first offer. And that will never happen in a collaborative model because we're not here to insult each other. We're not here to bully our way through. We're just here to facilitate difficult conversations so that you and your spouse can uh, emerge healthy, healthier than when you came into it and with more skills and communication and feel better about yourselves and not feel so much shame uh, about the process. Cause there's a lot of shame and stigma still around divorce, even though yeah. half of the marriages end in divorce. So we're trying to shift the paradigm, move away from shame and blame toward personal responsibility and, and fulfillment and transformational growth. Okay. So you've written a book, uh, which is great. Uh, but who's it for? This book is for the public. This is not an academic book. This is for anybody who is thinking about a divorce. And I remember when I was thinking about my divorce, I'd come from work and I would think small white condo, small white condo. I just wanted like a small white condo. I didn't want to go home. I didn't know what I was going to expect to see at home. I was just, it didn't matter in my mind what I thought I would do to make it better. If I, you know, cooked a nicer meal or was kinder or had sex or whatever, nothing. It just felt at that point, nothing that I would do is really going to work. Um, so I started fantasizing about a small white condo. So if you're thinking on your drive home, you know, this marriage is not, I'm not feeling it. Uh, this would be the book for you because then you could at least understand from a divorce lawyer's point of view and from somebody who's been divorced, what to expect from 
the processes, you know, including a collaborative divorce. And so it, at least it opens your mind to the idea that even if it's going to be challenging and that's not easy, this is not Pollyanna, this is not, oh, kumbaya, we're going to sit around and everything's going to be great. This is hard work. Um, getting divorced is never easy, but what process you choose really does matter. And it's going to affect the quality of your future life, um, financially and emotionally. So it's the book is written for ev- for anybody who's thinking about it, anybody who's got a friend or a family member who's thinking about divorce. Like this would be good counsel to give to your friends and family, as opposed to telling them, "Oh, go hire you know the you know the biggest shark in your neighborhood and you know go defend yourself and be prepared and this is going to be brutal and it's going to be a war and all that." This is a different model. This is a different opportunity for people to. Uh, come together to separate. It's a little bit of a paradox. Fascinating. And where do I find it? Oh, well, it's available on Amazon. Um, And if you just type in Untangling Your Marriage, A Guide to Collaborative Divorce, or you type in Nancy Smith um, with an I, N-A-N-C-I, you'll find it. Very good. And I have found it and I've been looking at it. So that's very good. And it's reasonably priced. Price to sell, very good, which is good, and Kindle as well as such like. Okay, that's absolutely brilliant. So um, we're going to link to all those bits and pieces in the show notes. And, subs- and as you've been chatting, I've been having a look around, and there are indeed collaborative lawyers in the UK. Who, who knew? So um, you know, exactly. thank you for that. Thank you. That is the point. It's like this has been the best kept secret for the last thirty years yeah. from divorce lawyers. We just haven't. The public doesn't know about it. And in my my perspective is that when the public starts to demand a different type of divorce, then the divorce lawyers will come along and then everybody can just get divorced in a way that uh, just fulfills you as a human being and then just contributes more positivity into the world. And you don't have to have a brutal, ugly divorce. Sometimes you do, of course, if there's abuse, you know, if there's actual physical abuse and you need to go to court, then court is always going to be there. But the majority of people, I don't think want that. I don't think they need that. Um, you just have to do an honest assessment. And um, and a collaborative lawyer, if you come in and you're, you know, seriously abused or there's something really bad going on, they're going to tell you this is not appropriate for a collaborative, you know, model. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely fascinating. Okay. Right. Oh, well, that's been absolutely fascinating. Who knew? I never know at the beginning of these podcasts if, if they're going to be interesting. Or not. That was absolutely riveting. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Uh, Nancy, it's been absolutely brilliant. And um, just remind us one more time, the name of the book. Oh, Untangling Your Marriage, A Guide to Collaborative Divorce. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. It's been a joy. Thank you. I I agree. Thank you very much. You take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.